Habakkuk. Uh, I mentioned this Wednesday night, but I was instructed to. Well, I couldn't get away from it. Uh, Habakkuk. Chapter 2, verse 3. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, hallelujah, hallelujah, it will speak and not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. Because it will surely come, it will not tarry. (laughs) Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. It's for an appointed time, and this is the appointed time. This is the days of the latter rain. Come on. We're seeing bodies healed. We're seeing people brain dead, restored. We're seeing uh, uh, whatever those things are dissolved. We're seeing people born again, parents, mothers, and fathers. Hallelujah. We're getting ready to see some mental problems gone. Demonic influence removed. Because God has not changed. He said, tell them I am that I am. He has not ever changed. He will not ever change. Thank God, because it seems like everything else changes. But God does not change. And he does not lie. Hallelujah. Wait for it. Do you remember? If you need healing in your body, in just a minute, we're going to give you an opportunity. And we'll lay hands on if you'd like healing. And the power of God will come on you. And whatever sickness, whatever disease, whatever infirmity, whatever is bothering you in your body, that has to leave in the name of Jesus. But you know, the children of Jericho, the children of Israel, were marching around Jericho for seven days. Seven days. On the last day, silently for seven days. Wait for it, wait for it. And on the seventh day, the Lord said, I want you this time when you walk around, I want you to give out a shout. Smith Wigglesworth, the Lord used him to raise like 23 people that we know of from the dead. Said some people would be great in faith and have great victories. They just lack a shout. They just lack a shout. I know I was looking at an old... um, video from Dad Hagen this past week, and uh, he was talking about um, uh, these guys in uh, Texas, and a particular guy that had, um, they were drilling for oil, and he had um, made like, during uh, the Depression time, he made a million dollars. I don't know what that would be like now, maybe five million or something, it was a lot. And, um, but I don't know if he spent it or what happened. He ended up losing like all of his money. He had no money. And so he's drilling for oil. And he's drilling for oil, ran out of money, 
And um, he just said to his banker, he's like, just give me enough money to go 50 more feet. I just need enough money to go 50 more feet. And he finally convinced that banker to do that. And so they drilled 50 more feet and they hit a gusher. And that oil started spritting up from the ground. And so sometimes if you just drilled 50 more feet, if you just went 50 more feet, a little have you received, and that's good, but there's more. There's more power, more glory, more anointing, more revelation. If you ever get into the presence of God, everything else is like 10th place. Because you're like, it, it is something that goes so far beyond natural satisfaction, yet it affects your natural satisfaction. It is something that goes beyond anything man could offer. There is... There is, um, you know, um, Solomon built the temple of the Lord, and uh, he made, you know, covered like the altar was like cedar wood or something like that, and he covered in pure gold, and all of the candle stands he made out of pure gold, and then the snuffers to snuff the candle out was out of pure gold, and then there was like, um, you know, all the instruments were made out of pure gold. And um, King Rehoboam came and took over, and long story short, he took out <laughs> the gold stuff and substituted brass for the gold. Okay, so uh, they took and said, well, it, it looks pretty, it looks very similar, and, uh, but it wasn't pure gold. And the Lord had instructed um, in his temple, in the worship of him, uh, coming together to look to him, that it ought to be pure gold, okay? And um, the Lord, uh, you know, our father in the faith is Kenneth Hagin. He's in heaven now. But in 1987, he talked to him about, um, uh, about uh, and said that um, you have uh, brought the things of the world into the house of God. You substituted brass for gold. So sometimes I think that's what happens is we think, well, how does the world do this? And so we just say, well, we'll do it how they do it. And, uh, you know, I was, uh, one time people kept giving me these books about 10 or 15 years ago about, Donor management. Anybody know about donor management? It's not about your organs. <laughs> Organ donor, you know. <laughs> it was all about, uh, um, I never could read those books, but it was all about, um, I read portions of them because they kind of made me, but anyhow, um, I didn't read the whole thing. Uh, but it's all about how do you cultivate people to give money to an organization, you know, so I've been ministry for like a full-time ministry for about 20 years. And so I'm like, I don't, 
don't see where the Bible talks about donor management. But if you have a nonprofit organization, you could do donor management. But the Bible really talks about honoring God with your substance. The Bible really talks about sowing seeds. Sowing seeds. Parable of the sower is one of the probably the greatest parable. Jesus said that's the, the primary parable by which you should interpret all the other ones with. And what did he call the seed? The seed is the word of God. So I believe when I sow a financial seed, well, I, I like to sow financial seeds to uh, places that are going to sow the word of God. Because I, I want to sow that. I want to sow the word. So you put, but you could substitute a, a, a brass for that. And so... Man, I'd heard that for years and years and years. In fact, it's my favorite series by Kenneth Hagin called Plans, Purpose, and Pursuits. And um, so I like that series so much so that when I worked there, I went to the uh, <clears throat> tape department at that time and got the original unedited version. And so um, anyhow, uh, I heard that for years and years and years. And, uh, you know, he talked about clapping as neither praise nor worship. And a lot of people just kind of stumbled over that, choked on that. And so they missed the whole thing. But really, he's saying... The Holy Ghost is saying, like, don't try to worship me the way men do things. I got a way I like to be worshipped. I got a way that when you do this, you'll actually go beyond uh, other things and other ways. And when you do that, when you really learn to praise me right, the Lord said, there'll be a greater manifestation and demonstration of my power in your midst. And in some ways, I feel like the church as a whole, we kind of have, like, um, let that slip really not paid attention to that. And so um, I was thinking about it uh, a couple months ago, and um, a question showed up in my heart. I believe it was from the Lord. You know, he said to me, he said, where does gold come from? And I said, uh, hmm, you. <laughs> it's like a primary element. It comes from you. He said, where does brass come from? I said, man makes brass. And I just sat there. You see, you could try to figure things out with your head for days and months and years. And when the Lord speaks to you, his words are full of life and light. In fact, Psalms 119 says that the entrance of his words give light. Whoa, so we really want to fight, figure out a way that his words could gain entrance into our hearts. The entrance of your words give light. He is so precious. Amen, you agree. The entrance of his words give light. And so, um, you know, what the Lord's doing in the earth today is he's building strong local churches that know how to flow with his spirit Amen. and make, make room for his spirit. Uh, I don't know what everybody else is doing, but that's what the Lord's doing. 
What is that? Uh, let's turn to Psalms. I think it's uh, 126 or 127. There is a move of the Spirit that would have been lost if we weren't taught. But we were taught. And deposits were made. And there's deposits within the hearts of many that have been lying dormant. But the time for that to change is here. And so there'll be a rising up and a coming into things that you were not even aware that had been deposited. And it'll be full of joy, full of light, full of power. Psalm 127, verse 1, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord build the house, they labor. So, so they labor, they work at it, but it's actually all in vain if the Lord doesn't build it, if the Lord is not in it. Well, I'm talking in a great extent in the house of God, but the same is true in your own house. And this actually primarily is talking about your own house. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Do you know the Lord knows you? And he knows your children? And he knows your brothers and your sisters? And he has a perfect way of speaking. Even his correction is so full of love. I mean, I've had a, a couple of his corrections lately. I mean, I feel like he, he, he punched you in the gut, like, ooh, but it felt so good. <laughs> you know, his way will set you free, and he sees a lot more than what you see. I'll tell you one of the corrections I had, and uh, that was, I was um, hosting a, helping out Pastor Mark and Trina Hankins. They were in the area, and so I was helping them with whatever they needed. And um, uh, we had had uh, Scott and Sue Beerman in uh, this last, uh, was it April or something like that? And uh, to minister, such a blessing. And they're doing very well, by the way. And uh, they're back, uh, been to Turkey a few times, and uh, people getting born again, and establishing things, and uh, the ministry's just going fabulous. Uh, they're some of our main missionaries. And so um, they had just been in. And uh, after they were in, Scott kept uh, texting me, like, oh, thank you so much for having us in. And then uh, I, we had said something else. And then he's like, oh, we, we received the offering. Thank you so much. And then he just kept being so thankful. And so I'm riding in the car, driving along. And I said, um, man, we had a. You know, Trina Hankins is uh, Scott's her brother, and so uh, they obviously know each other very well. And so I said, um, <laughs> at least they should. And so I said, uh, man, they were so thankful. 
And that's where I should have stopped, but I didn't. I said, because we've had Pastor Mark in twice, I think, you know. So I said, in fact, they're the most thankful guest speakers we've had in. (laughs) (laughs) It came out of my mouth, and I thought, why did I just say that? Well, sometimes you say stuff, and it's by the Holy Ghost, and you're like, oh, that was the Holy Ghost, but that was not the Holy Ghost. (laughs) And uh, so I'm, like, driving along, and I thought, oh, that sounds horrible. And I said, I tried to explain myself. And uh, then I apologized. And uh, Pastor Trent was like, oh, we didn't think anything of it. No big deal. Well, uh, she's very gracious, and they probably didn't think anything of it because as you develop in the things of God, you just believe the best, you know. But I, I was disturbed. And I started to seek the Lord about it. And you know, he spoke to me with the scripture. And he said, they that compare themselves among themselves are not wise. And I was like, oh, was I doing that? And that wasn't the end of it. So this went on for like two or three weeks, you know. And uh, so he's like, you know, sometimes the Lord shows you things and you're like, oh, praise the Lord, we're going there. That's great. Other times he shows you things and you're like, I'm appalled at myself. And so a couple weeks after that, I was reminded that um, when I was a little boy, I, would, uh, I had the privilege of living in the same city as both of my sets of grandparents. And so I would spend the night at their houses, especially in the, in the summertime when school wasn't on, uh, kind of rotate between and stuff. And um, I remember one time I was at my mother's uh, mother's house, my grandmother on my mother's side, and um, I was sitting on her little couch. They're the ones that I used to get up at 5.30 in the morning and we'd pray together on the, on the Davenport, which is a couch. But we'd kneel early, you know, wake me up. And uh, so I remember saying to her one time, Grandma, it's so nice because we go to my other grandmother's house and they're so fun. And we come here and you love us. Do you know I remembered that? And I was like, oh, this problem has been going on for a very long time. You know, and the Lord showed me, like, you know what? Why is it necessary to compare to make the point? Aren't they just thankful? Why does there have to be a comparison for someone to be thankful? Because then you're actually putting one down to lift the other up. Brother Hagin used to say, it doesn't make your candle burn any brighter to put someone else's out. So I didn't think I was doing that, but I didn't realize what I was doing. And so uh, still, like Brandon laughs at me because sometimes we spend time together. And I saw him the other day. I started to say something. I said, I'm not saying that because that's going to compare this to that. And I'm not doing that. And uh, so um, sometimes the training of the Lord is not pleasant on your flesh, but your spirit loves it. Like I love to live by faith. 
But sometimes you get up right to the edge and you're like, how is this going to happen? How is this going to come to pass? Lord, can't you just do this? You know, he witnesses in your heart. You need to believe and then you need to say what you believe. You're like, but can it not happen first? (laughs) He always takes you to the word. Then you speak the word. If you will speak the word under the direction of the Spirit of God, what you see and what you experience will change into the image of the word. Uh, he, he gave us the best pattern, the best example. And if we just follow that example, there'll be changes. Changes in your life and changes in your family. And some of you I, I see are coming into new young families. I'm not talking to you. <laughs> I was just reading how uh, uh, John the Baptist's mother was giving birth at old age. I'm not saying that. But I know some of you are having, uh, going to be having children, those type of things. And um, remember what the Lord said about Abraham? Right in the middle, uh, right as Sodom and Gomorrah were being destroyed, going to be destroyed. He said, Abraham, I don't want you to look on that because I know you, that you will command your house after me. The Lord's looking for moms and dads who will command their house after the Lord, give him access to those children. Abraham is the father of faith. Some people think it's Kenneth Hagin, but it's actually Abraham. <laughs> but Brother Rosworth and Brother Hagin, you know, thank the Lord, they picked up, you know, there's eternal things, eternal realities, and you can actually, with faith, punch a hole through time and grab hold of or see those eternal realities or those eternal things, and you can bring them into the realm of the heard and the seen and the felt. And that's when the power of God falls because someone yielded their vessel so God could do what he wants to do, what he's already made provision and power to do, uh, but sometimes we have hindered him. And so uh, would to God that there would be a generation of men and women, young and old, who would rise up and let God do What he wants to do, let him express his heart of love and power and provision by yielding your tongue to him, by looking to him in his word and in times when you just pour out your heart to him, Lord, I'm hungry for a mighty move. I want to see you move on the earth. I want to see you move in my family. I want to see you move in my church. I want to see you move in my city. I want to see you move in my state. I want to see you move in the whole country and around the world. Uh, You know, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, well, actually 14, says, desire spiritual gifts but rather you may prophesy. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about, in King James, it says the gifts of the Spirit, but really that's not the best way to translate it, I don't believe. Um, 
It's really now concerning, uh, 12.1, now concerning things pertaining to and of the Holy Spirit, I would not have you ignorant. In other words, I don't want you to not know or to not understand how the Spirit of God moves, what the Spirit of God does, what is available to those who will yield to Him. And so then he says in chapter 14, desire these things or hunger for these things or look into these things or expect these things or read about these things, feed on them from the word of God and you will see these things begin to come to pass. And uh, as we were ministering Wednesday night, you know, in uh, 19... 1944, 1945, uh, Dad Hagen, along with others, uh, man, the Lord just drew them to this place of prayer, and they begin to pray that uh, the way the Holy Spirit is poured out in working of miracles, special faith, and gifts of healing, that that, that would actually show up in our lives. And uh, you know what happened? Two years after World War II finished, this outpouring of God for miraculous healings came. And it it happened for 11 years, 1947 to 1958. And then, uh, you know, I I wasn't even alive then. (laughs) You should laugh because you way weren't alive then. And... uh, so by the time I, I uh, had the privilege of traveling and ministering there with them, uh, it was the late 90s and early 2000s. And um, something happened. I'd never heard someone pray like that because he met with God. And there was a hunger stirred on the inside of me and there were deposits put on the inside of me. And one thing that we prayed in those meetings Every meeting, every set of meetings, was that the power gifts of God would be in demonstration and manifestation in a greater measure than they have ever been up till this point in time. And he said, you know why we're praying that? He said, because we prayed that in 1944 and 1945, and God answered that prayer and poured himself out. And he said, I'm seeing we need the same thing today. And so I pray that you will pray that, that we will pray that. And in some quarters, you just, we just, I just pray that all of the manifestations of the Spirit of God, that he will have freedom to flow like he wants to flow and do what he wants to do. And, but it starts at your house, that you make yourself available to the Lord. If you have children at home, let me pray for you. <laughs> I, you know, I talk to people that have children that are not at home any longer, and uh, they tell me it costs more money, and uh, you still feel the same way. They're just not under your house and everything. I haven't been to that stage of my life yet, but um, <laughs> they're like,
you know, you can teach something, but you really can't force someone to learn anything. The Bible says to train your children. And training is more by example than it is by the words that you say. And sometimes the words that you say are the example that you give. But your reaction to things, how you handle them. You know, I I learned very quickly with my children that uh, one of the most important training exercises is to be humble before my children and admit when I'm wrong and ask for forgiveness when I have done something that I should not do. Because I don't want to train my kids to think that I am perfect. Because, number one, I'm not. And number two, they're not. So I don't want them to approach a situation in life where they made a mistake and feel like the most foolish, evil mistake that has been created. They get enough of that from the thoughts the devil tries to put in them. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say, listen, forgive dad. I, I spoke too harshly. What I said was correct, but the attitude in which I said it was not. Something like that. So we can train our children, and we are training our children, whether you recognize it or not, uh, by what we do, and um, more really than by what we say. And it's really difficult if what you say doesn't line up with what you do. And if I ever find that that happens, I'll say, please forgive me, I am not perfect. You know, Evie, we have a little story together that uh, I help her with and she helps me with. And um, she's looking really nervous right now, like, don't make, me, don't, make, don't make me come up there, Daddy. And so when we first started the church, I was contracting uh, in Michigan. And so I was in Michigan more than I was here during the week. I was very difficult time, but praise the Lord, those days are gone forever. And so, <laughs> um, and so um, we were on the way to the airport, and for whatever reason, I had to fly out of BWI. So it was extra far. It was supposed to be like an hour and a half drive or something. And so um, we're going, and I can see that if there was no traffic, we are not going to make it. And uh, so I expressed my thoughts by saying something like, oh, we're not going to make it. What are we going to do? This is a mess. No, 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 no. And my daughter says, well, Daddy, just pray. <laughs> and I'm like, Evie, do you not understand? We cannot make it there on time. And now i got to figure out how we're going to do all this. She's like, but Daddy, God can do anything. Let's just pray. So with great reluctance, I said, oh, Okay, you're right, yes. We should pray. I didn't know really what was happening here, here with this, how this, the Lord would use this. We prayed, and you know what? We made it there with time to spare. I cannot analyze the situation, because I do not know how. 
except for we prayed. And so um, then there's different points. You know, Evie's pretty much a perfect child, but there have been a few points where she would be a little overwhelmed with things. And I say, Evie, do you remember we were on the way to the airport? And I was very frustrated, and you said, just pray. And she says something like, yes, Dad. (laughs) Okay, you're right. And so you can take mistakes that you have and just turn the situation to the Lord. And you're training so much by doing that. You're learning, they're learning. And, you know, I think the greatest thing to learn is, like, you're not perfect. Stop trying to be perfect. There's one perfect one. His name is Jesus. And uh, the Christian life is not a life of perfection. It is a life where the will of the man or the woman has made a decision. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I have turned my life over to the Lord. And I'm going to walk with my life turned to the Lord. And if I stumble along the way, if I make a little mistake, I'm turned to the Lord. So I say, Lord, forgive me. I didn't intend to do that. And um, uh, thank you that you cleanse me and that you strengthen me and that you teach me and that you make a way. And if you can teach your children, not only through what you say, but through demonstration, you will give them the greatest gift you could ever, they could ever inherit. That they'll know how to humble themselves before the Lord and turn to the Lord. And what a blessing to pass on. Praise the Lord. Well, stand with me if you would. I really have on my heart for this Christmas season, you know, I was looking at the And we didn't, because of how the Lord led today, we didn't go to those scriptures. But, you know, how uh, Mary and Joseph, you know, had some challenges. You know, Joseph's engaged and finds out she's pregnant. And she says, it's not by man. It's by the Lord, right? Well, thank God the angel (laughs) appeared to Joseph. (laughs) Because I I don't think he would have (laughs) believed. Brother Hagin used to say, you know, some people want these spectacular supernatural things. If you really had them, you might not want them because that just means rough sledding is ahead. So he needed some word from heaven to stand on like, okay, it really wasn't a man. It was God, <laughs> you know, but he had challenges. And then maybe he, you know, they're, they're um, uh, she is what the Bible says, great with child, right? And this comes the time when you got to take a census. And so they have to travel. And so then their child's going to be born. And it happens to be unlike any other child. And so if Joseph is thinking natural thoughts like a a natural man would think, he's like, great. My wife is pregnant with God's son. And we have to travel at this time. And now he's going to be born in a barn. So not the way that you would probably conceive in your mind of giving birth to the Son of God, right? But of course, that's how the Lord planned it. So sometimes, you know, we have difficulties in our life. We have certain expectations. 
And sometimes what we think is God's best is really not God's best. It's not God's plan. But if we'll just yield ourselves to him and follow him, he'll show you. He'll have you in the right place at the right time with the right people, and he'll give you the right message. And his words will deliver. Those that hear and yourself. And so uh, the Lord planned a family. So I would love for each of us over the next two weeks, three weeks, two or three weeks, just take some extra special time with your family. If you have children, young children, maybe take five minutes with each of your children, just like special time. Say, hey, what do you want to talk about? How are you doing? Be real intentional. And then, uh, of course, you see extended family, so um, I plead the blood of Jesus. <laughs> Walk in love. Look to the Lord. Don't try to make something happen, but allow the Lord to work in you and through you. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the days and the times and the seasons in which we live. Thank you for your anointing, for your spirit moving uh, among us, within us and upon us. We thank you, Lord, that you are alive, that you're full of power, full of peace. That your presence changes everything and that you have put within us yourself, your spirit. That we have your peace that passes the ability of our mind to understand. That we have your power on the inside of us. That you are greater than any force, certainly any demon, any thought, or any ways of man. That you are greater. You live on the inside of every one of us, every believer. I pray for every person right now as we are in this season that you'll give us words to speak that will bring life and strength, hope, expectation to our families. Father, I pray right now that you'll help every parent to yield to you, give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you concerning raising our children. Father, I thank you that you lead us and you guide us. You show us things to come. That you alert us to dangers. That you alert us to deposits that are necessary in our children. Father, thank you. Thank you so much that we're not alone <laughs> in raising our children. That we can call to you for help. And that you live on the inside, that you lead us, you guide us, you show us the way. You give us insight and understanding. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning in the room or online and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, you can know him today. He loves you. He has a plan for your life. He, he wants you to be so fulfilled, overflowing with joy, overflowing with satisfaction. Jesus said, I've come that you'd have that kind of life and that just overflowing. That you'd have a life with no regrets. 
that you have a life of confidence and great expectation and that you'd see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. God loves you. He's a good God. He's not trying to take something from you. He's trying to get something to you. But Jesus said, the only way to actually ever find your life is to first lose it, to first give it up. You must give your life to God through Jesus Christ, and then he gives you his life. In order to come to God, you can't, uh, it's not about doing a bunch of right things or refusing to do a bunch of wrong things. You need to be made a brand new person on the inside. You need a brand new life. And the way that God made that possible is by Jesus Christ himself dying on the cross to take your place, to take your sins, and to set you free. The way that you receive him doing that is you believe that God raised him from the dead for you and you confess that Jesus is your Lord. You do that, the Bible says you will be saved. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer in just a, a few seconds to do just that. They call this the great confession. So if you're already born again, I want you to pray this with me. This is the confession of our life. This is how we live our life. And maybe you're here this morning, maybe you're watching, and you've been born again, but you've drifted away from the Lord. Things have come in and, and drowned out your vibrant relationship with God. You've got distracted under a bunch of other things. Today is your day to come back. Come back. Uh, it feels like you're really far away, but that's just a deception of the enemy. You, you just uh, give the Lord one inch and you'll have like an overflowing flood of his goodness, his mercy, his strength, and you'll understand once again the goodness of the Lord. All right, let's pray this prayer right now. If you'd like to receive Christ, you can slip up your hand as we pray online or in person, and we're going to pray. And what we're saying when we pray is, I don't want to live for myself anymore. I want to live for Jesus every day. Jesus is my Lord. Say this. Say, oh God, I believe in you. I believe Jesus Christ is your son. And that he died on the cross to take away my sins. I receive that forgiveness. And I take your son, Jesus Christ, to be my Lord. Thank you, Father God, that I am now your child. I have been made brand new. My sins are gone. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.